Good morning. This is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your, perspe- your perception about your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people just like you and me who have been through extraordinary times and then found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from them. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment, shame, and possibly guilt, and to being your very, very best self. Well, today, is, I'm really excited. My guest today is a friend of mine, uh, an author, an international best-selling author, a publisher, a speaker. I want to welcome Ms. Peggy Hansen. You there, Peg? I am here. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Good. everyone. Good morning, friend. You're up in New York, and I'm down in South Florida, and we've got everything covered in between. So thank you so much for being here. I want to tell people a little bit about you, Peggy. You are an international best-selling author and publisher, and we're going to speak about that a little bit more in a few minutes, with over 30 years of experience in all aspects of writing and publishing, including business ghostwriting. Since her vast knowledge and expertise is an often asked for resource, She's written and published 50-plus books and near double that number in authors. Peggy Lee is the CEO and founder of Courageous Women Publications, a one-stop shop for all of your writing and self-publishing needs. She says, we make your tell-all easy to tell all. And isn't that the truth? Peggy and I know each other from Women's Prosperity Network. It's a women's organization down in um, started down here in South Florida, but obviously it includes everybody up in New York and Chicago and all, all around the country and the world now. And Peg is actually working with me on my Audible book. So I'm so, like, I'm so excited for you to be here because we pumped it out there to everybody about will Prince Charming really rescue you? And I'm sure people were wondering, okay, so Deb is the voice of the survivors for online dating scams, but where does Prince Charming come into Peggy Lee's story? So, what's up Prince with Charming. Prince Charming? Well, first of all, let me tell you, Prince Charming that I'm talking about here is not the Prince Charming I have for my husband. So there's like two different Prince There Charmings. you go, but there is a Prince Charming in your life. Mine too. There is one. There is one. But in this particular instance, this um, Prince Charming came to what I thought was going to be my rescue uh, back in probably about seven years ago now, back in 2013. And that was when I was really starting to get into the publishing business, doing finding editing jobs, uh, you know, writing jobs, anything that I could possibly get my hands on. And one day, I received an email. It was a blanket email, and it looked, you know, pretty valid to me. And it says, hello, I have a document that needs to be edited. The document is titled Racism and Prejudice, and it's 15,799 words. The deadline date for this document is 17th of December, 2013. Please confirm your availability to me. So I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, and he gives his address, you know, Michael Jake, something, Ellis, uh, Ellis Avenue, Inglewood, California. I mean, he had it, you know. So for, to me, that seemed valid enough. And so I wrote him back and I said, yes, you know, I'm available to do that for you. You know, please schedule a call with me by going to my conference, my, my scheduler, you know, to make an appointment and so that we could, you know, talk about details and such. So uh, it was pretty interesting from that point on. And I got the document to take a look at it. And it was, seemed like strange 
I mean, it was actual text, you know, and it actually made sense, but it seemed more like a government-type document that was really kind of a not really high-level document, but it was it, it, there was just something not right about it. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird. So, but I still edited it anyway, and they sent me a check. I think I quoted them like $800, and... So they paid me, they, and you know, turned around, got the check. But the check that I received at that time was for $2,500. <laughs> and it was like, you know, they sent, he sent a little note inside the check. I mean, it was even like FedEx to my front door. I mean, that's how fast things happened. And, you know, because he says, well, we want to make sure that you have your money, you know, and time enough, you know, for the work that you did, you know, it was brilliant editing work, and we want to hire you for more projects. And that's why we're sending you a check for more than the amount that we agreed upon. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is like heaven sent here, because we were, uh, my husband and I were uh, in a situation financially where we needed that money and it was it was to me gold at that time we were getting ready to close up our house we were moving uh in a couple of weeks to a different city and uh this money would help help us get uh you know a u-haul rental for the house and to move from one place to the next it just meant so much so, but there's still something that was just kind of nudging at me, and I didn't exactly know where it was. My son, I had been working at a bank back in the mid-'80s, and so, you know, I know pretty much about the banking system. You know, of course, you know, that was 20 years before that, but I still know, knew some of the processes that went on in the banking. And my son was working at a bank, at a local bank in our hometown at that time. And so he and I talked about the check. And I said, what do you think about this? And he says, well, you know, he says you can deposit it, you know, and just see, you know, what happens with it. And then the weird thing is, is that I started getting text messages, emails from this Michael Jake, who was so thrilled with my editing expertise, asking me if I deposited the check yet. And it was like every hour to two hours I was getting notifications from him. Have you deposited the check yet? Have you deposited the check yet? I need to know that you have deposited the check so we can move forward, da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, and therefore, my favorite word is, you know, the dance began. Hmm. And uh, so it was interesting. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to, let's be positive because I'm a very positive person. You know, I want to believe that there's good out there. And so I deposited the check. And then it was like, man, it was you know, maybe like the next morning, it still just didn't sit right with me. And he was still asking me whether or not I deposited the check. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put a hold on that check. Because what I did is I, I called the bank in California to see whether or not the check would clear. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the Privacy uh, Act was starting to be enforced where you could no longer call and get a check okay, like what we used to do back in the banking system years before that. And they would not, they would only tell me that the account was active, but they wouldn't tell me if there was enough money in the bank to cover the check. Because if I deposit it today, tomorrow the money might not be there. Right. So the more I thought about that, you know, I just didn't know what to do. And it just, it, it, again, you know, it was just something was telling me, just stop it, you know. So I went to the bank and I put a hold on the deposit that I had just done because I wanted to make sure that if, and wait until the check clears. So I put a $2,500 hold on my checking account so nothing would bounce. And, you know, I wouldn't spend that money then until I knew that everything cleared. Well, 
one thing led to another, and uh, after, um, you know, I don't know how many emails, maybe 30, 40 emails back and forth, um, we connected again, and I said, you know what? I, I finally told him, I said, the money is in the account. And then that's where things turned. And he says, you know, about the check, he says, we've decided that we're not going to move forward, so we need to have all, your mon- all the money back. <laughs> and to create a card number or something like that, you know, so that they could access the funds right away because I got the funds right away, so they should have the funds right away. And I said, you know, I don't think I want to do that. You know, um, the, um, so I mean, because they were going after your money at that point because you, it's in your bank account. They think it's your money. They want it. They want it back. But once it's taken out by them, right? Yeah, you're out. It becomes theirs. It becomes it's theirs, their money. and I've lost out. Yeah. So, and, and finally, I, I remember one of the conversations. By this time, we were talking, were we talking on the phone or were we just texting? But no matter how the communication went, because it was a long time ago, and I totally forgot about this, you know, because when you invited me to the show, and it was just like, oh, I don't know if I have, you know, I don't have any romance scams to talk about. But I said, oh, but I do have a scam, you know, a financial scam, you know, that would be very pertinent in today's world and every day's world, I guess, you know, because a lot of people are looking to start up businesses. So they're hungry for money. I was hungry for money. And, you know, when I saw that this guy was ready to pay me for several projects, it's like, I'm in. You know, but then, you know, one thing, thank goodness, you know, I had some sense that something was wrong. You know, just like you did. You started feeling that something was off, you know, kind of like from the beginning a little bit. And, and then things really got, you know, off track. And I said, you know, I think you're just a scammer. <laughs> you know, I, I point blank said the same thing, you know. It was just like, I don't think you're on the up and up. I think you're trying to scam me out of my money. And he said, you know, he, he started threatening me and started saying, we're going to send the, the cops after you for stealing our money. And it's like, who's, who's going to steal whose money? You know, yeah. you're, you're taking my money. And then after I threatened to go to the cops or whatever, I just stopped. I blocked him from my phone. You know, and I just stopped answering any of his emails. And nothing happened, of course, because, you know, he's, the threats were empty. There wasn't anything that he wanted to point back to him or, you know, the business he was in. Right. So I was very, very, very lucky that I paid attention to my intuition. It took me a little bit because I was so excited for new work, new possibilities, you know, that this Prince Charming had come in and he was going to take me away, you know, financially and, and help me build my business. So, um you know, and that's it. But nothing happened. So I called the bank, stopped the, the, you know, put the hold on. And sure enough, the check came back insufficient funds. Yeah. And so nothing happened with me. And they suggested to, um, I think I called them, I think I called the local police department, but I don't remember. And I don't have that documented, not documented. like you have everything of your scam documented. Yeah. And, uh, but they, someone suggested to call the state of Wisconsin, where I was living at the time, and call their um, uh, fraud uh-huh. uh, department, securities and fraud, I guess it is. Right. And uh, so I did that, and I talked to a very nice gentleman for about, well, for a little while, but he says, really, he says, there's nothing that we can do. He says that we can't trace these online scammers because they have things so buried deeply, you know, and rerouting from, you know, from ping to ping to ping, you know, it could be 50, 60 pings, you know, for going around the world that they, they scramble their network so good that they are undetectable. 
Right, and the, but the important thing for us today, because this is still happening, that you know, sending the check through the mail, that's a felony. You know, that's you, you can go to the postal service. The, the um, there's a fraud department in the postal service. Not again. I'm not sure they can do anything with, about it. But that check, because uh, I remember working in banking too. The checks that come in look so real. Yeah, they they do a really good job. And in the in, back when I was in banking, you know, we would print when we cashed it or deposited it. The check, the checking account number would go on the back of the check, and then mm-hmm. the person would get the check back. Well, then of course they have your checking account number. I don't believe they do that anymore, and most people don't even get the copies of the checks back unless they pay for that. But because they look so real, and the story sounds so real, anybody, any business person is vulnerable to this kind of deception, no matter how smart we are, right? And you're a smart Absolutely. woman. Absolutely. I was in the banking business for five years. You know, I should know better. <laughs> you know, well, but I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, I even checked out the routing number, and sure enough, you know, it matched the bank. Yep. You know, yeah, they're clever. They, they are clever. They, they, what they do, what the uh, fraud guy told me, is that they will, these these scammers will uh, find an old check somewhere, however it is. It could have been online. It could have been in the trash or whatever, which is another reason why I shred your information. Um, you know, and, and they'll make up a block of checks that probably are so old that the system doesn't recognize that they have been used before. Mm. So they think it's a clear, you know, it's a good check. You know, anyway, well, you've got to be careful. And, and in today's in today's world, with all the checks being sent out in the mail recently, you know, yeah. there are, the scammers are are wild on that right now. And uh, yeah. you know, and they're looking for people's checks. So, and they like to go into mailboxes. That's why people need to have direct deposit rather than getting a physical check. I know mm-hmm. my parents are on the line here, and they actually got a check from you know the the uh, rescue here. Uh, and I, I looked at it, and it, it, the, their check obviously was good. But this, the duplicate checks, the scammer checks now are equally as good. They just don't have the right wording on them. Uh, so, but you just have to do, be diligent because you wanted that money to be real. So for a moment, your brain knew that money was real, right? Mm-hmm. And then your gut yeah. kicked in. But thank goodness you so far, Yeah, so far as you know, depositing the check. You know, but then the gut kicked in, like you said, you know, really kicked in and said, nah, there's something goofy about this. So, But thank goodness, you listen, then, like you said, you listened to your gut because otherwise you would have been out the money and he'd be laughing mm-hmm. to the bank, laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. So, so I would have, anyway, yes. Well, no, it's just, for me it's just interesting because I do get people saying, well, I'm, you know, I'll never get scammed, I'll never get taken, and I'm thinking – we're all going to be susceptible at one point, vulnerable to it at one point. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily romance or rela- it's relationships. We're, we, we like connection. We want connection. In the way things are today, people are so isolated at home that they're looking for connections somewhere, and it could be online, it could be in a letter, it could be wherever, but we may not be talking to someone that's really, re- I mean, person's obviously real, but not the personality we think we're talking to, you yeah. know, or dealing with. And, and even on, they've gotten very, very creative that they can take, they can take videos on, I don't I don't, I'm not on this, those, um, I don't know if it's Instagram or whatever, but they actually can take videos and they'll send them to people. And, and this is really interesting, Peggy. My husband and I were watching a show the other day, and I think it was probably from Italy. And initially we were watching and we were seeing the, the mouth, the lips going, and we heard the voices, and they weren't quite synced up. So we thought maybe there was a streaming issue, so we turned the TV on and off and we brought it back and it still happened. Well, then we found out that the show is actually in Italian, and it was the voiceover in English. But your brain watches them talking, and unless it's really unusual, you think that they're talking in English, and they're not. And so when I've had women that come to me and said, well, I saw my guy, I heard him talking. I'm thinking, the mind, I heard this recently, the perception of reality is sometimes greater than reality. Mm -hmm. What we want to see, what we want to hear, is what we're going to hear, regardless of what 
the reality of it was. So absolutely. You know, and, and we do. We we see what we want to see. And there's a there's a good story to, for that to add to that. It has nothing to do but I know what you're talking about, you know, watching those movies. We've done the yeah. same thing and it's just like, is this is this English or is this dubbed over? And the closer we looked, you know, we saw that it was dubbed over. But the story that I want to talk about, you know, for the showing the reality of things. Now, you know, I consider myself intuitive. I don't, you know, I'm not a seer. I'm not a clairvoyant uh, of that. I, you know, I, I'm clairaudient. I hear things, you know, that come down from what I consider the divine. But I'm not, you know, I don't really see things, you know, in front of me. But when we moved, it was that, that time that we moved after the scamming part. We were into our new home, new apartment, where we moved to. And a door had locked, and we could not get into the one bedroom where we had stuff. And it's just like, well, this is absolutely crazy. The, the door's locked from the, from the inside, and however that happened, we still have no idea. But we're looking for a way to unlock it. And I said, there's, there's no keyhole. You know, we don't have a key for the bedrooms, you know, to, to unlock them from the, opposite, from the opposite side. And Mark is like, well, usually my husband, he's, he said, you know, usually there's a little hole in front of the, the knob on the outside, you know, where you can stick something in. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's nothing there. I don't see it. And he went and looked at it, and he said, well, that's really strange. Usually there should be something there. And he didn't see it either. And we're like, okay, so now what are we going to do? Because, you know, a lot of our stuff is in that spare bedroom where we unpacked, you know, put everything, you know, to unpack everything and so we're scratching our heads it's like 9 nine thirty at night and it's just like why don't we just quit and wait until morning you know and figure it out then you know so we can get some decent sleep well the next morning come out look at the bedroom door you know that's locked and I said honey you're not going to believe this but the hole is right there and he says, no. And I said, yes, look. We're both like in astonishment thinking, what the heck just happened, you know? But we saw what we wanted to see that night. And I started it because I couldn't see the keyhole. So just by saying that, Mark was convinced that there wasn't one, so he didn't see it either. So I mean, Well, the whole gremlins came in. <laughs> absolutely. So then, you know, he found something to to diddle it with the, with the, the lock with, you know, and we were able to get into the bedroom the next day. But it, it's pretty amazing how strong that thought process, yeah. you know, and that brought a whole different new awareness to me too, is that, holy cow, we do see what we want to see. Well, it's that whole... Our, our imagination uh, is really strong. Absolutely, and, and the rose-colored glasses. Uh, there's a great advertisement on TV yeah. right now for one of those little um, flip things. It flips down from your dash, from your, uh, uh, I'm having a brain cramp, you know, across, right in front of your eyes, your, your sun shield there. And it flips down, and it's got this yellowish kind of glass or a film that you see through, and it, it opens up colors, and it, it, I'm not articulating this very well. My brain wasn't kicked in there, but it was just reminding me about how we see what we want to see, but sometimes we're blinded by the glare. And if we put down a screen that cuts the glare, we see a whole other yeah. world, which is right out in front of us. It's, it, it was there before, you know, when the sun was shining in your face. So, again, we see what we want to see. We see what we can see. We see what we, wh- with our blinders on, we see di- we see different things. You know, we see what we want to see. And it leads into our story. So I'm going to kind of segue out of that fraud issue because that was part of your business and that was a learning experience. But Absolutely. You, do, you do some incredible work now in publishing and in writing, and I, I know it firsthand because we're working together. But I want to congratulate you, and one of our callers also is on the line. She's one of your authors. You guys made best-selling positions in two categories yesterday on Amazon for your new book. Congratulations. I hear all the claps in the world. Um, can you tell us about your book and, your, and how you did this and 
this is not your first book. This is multiples. I, I said that in your bio. But um, give us a little idea of what, what this book is about. Yeah, this is uh, volume six in a series called Courage Under Siege. And it's, it was created for several different purposes. But the main thing was so that people can share their stories. And by people, I mean mainly women. Because um, we need to share what we've been through and share where we are now, you know, from, from the pain to the gain, from, you know, and this particular volume is Hurt to Healing. Um, the other volumes had you know, Uncertainty to Clarity, Duress to Success, Flight to Light, uh, Bewilderment to Enlightenment, Adversity to Victory. And it's all about women who have prospered and have gained clarity and just where they have been. And they are at a point in their life where it's time to tell the story. You know, it's like that uh, uh, Ani Anan poem, you know, the bud, you can only stay closed for so long and then you are forced to open up. Nature helps us to do that. And it's a natural process, but they don't know what to do. They're not ready to write their book, but they want to share their story somewhere, somehow. And this gives them an opportunity to do that. So over the six-volume series, I have published 42 women who have shared their individual stories of, of showing where they were as a kid and how, you know, anything that happened to them from child abuse to being poor to um, being, as I was talking about earlier, uh, a clear sense, a clear audience, clairvoyance, clear, any types of the, the, the clairs for who have the, the more meta, um, metaphysician type of aspects to their life. Um, where they see angels, where they talk to them, you know, to the mediumships, you know, where people talk to dead people, you know, the whole sixth sense thing, you know, I see dead people. Um, but, you know, for, for purposes of good, you know, not, and, you know, for things like that. So, and I believe that if everybody knew who, more about the person who was sitting next to them, there would be a lot less fear. And by sharing our personal history, our personal traumas that have turned into triumph, we can do that. The more that we get to know our neighbor, the better the world will be because we are better together. Um, and I was right a Toastmaster. The what? I'm sorry? Several years ago. No, that's fine. I was a Toastmaster several years ago, and um, I got into the leadership part of that group. Toastmasters International is a, uh, it first started out as a speakers association for men only back in 1928-ish, somewhere around in there. And in 1972, I think it was, they allowed women into the organization. You think, wow, 72? You know, they were in... The organization was in place for 50 years before they allowed women to come in. You know, it's a good time because, you know, women need to share their voices. They need to be heard, especially today. And, um, and I heard so many stories, not only from the women in the, the Toastmasters where, I've, where I was a leader, but I heard men as well. But the, all the stories, I'm thinking, nobody's going to hear these stories. They're just going to stay right here in this room. And there's got to be a way to get the stories out into the world. And so then, and that's how Courage Under Siege was born. But my mission is to help women more so than the men, but I do help a few great men. There are some that I have published, and they are they are doing their part to help everybody, women included, you know, to get that hand up and to help them succeed. So um, I'm very picky about the men I work with. 
<laughs> well, it's really, it, it is very, very important. Now, I heard yesterday a, a quote that says, believe your story has value, and in that you need to dare to be vulnerable. Um, and I, I know that firsthand. You know, when my story came out, I had to believe in myself that my story had value for one other person in the world. You know, I didn't need to be yeah. speaking to everybody, but that one person. And that's the same with the women that that have written in your books, is that they have a story that if they believe in themselves, and that, that's the tough part because, you know, we, we were asking here, how can you find your passion and purpose in writing? So many of, of us who are potential authors, we're all potential authors, are afraid mm-hmm. of what people are going to say. We're afraid yeah. that our story doesn't mean anything or it's not going to help anybody. And we're afraid to even start. So how do you get your authors to start? What's the first step? To just start. I, well, the, the very, very first thing that I do tell my authors and all my people who are writing with me is just to breathe. Just breathe. You know, take a moment. Take a couple of deep breaths. Just cleanse your system out of any of that negativity that's coming in. And, and the deep breaths will help you settle into yourself. And then just write. Just begin writing. Don't edit. Uh, that's one thing that I say, too. And uh, My authors may be a little bit tired of me in saying that, but just write out what you need to write out. Don't edit anything because the first response that you are writing is the most purest of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a process, though. The people that I take through the Courage Under Siege book process, it is a program. And it's a program that will help them learn how to settle into their thoughts and to uh, pick out the thoughts which are the, the better to the highest good of them of their story. Um, you know, and just to just to relax and believe in what you're doing. And not that you're telling your story just to tell your story but to tell your story because you want to help someone else so that once they know your story and can relate, then they feel better that they can take their next step. And then the, it continues on, and I'd laugh and I'd say, it's, you know, it's like the old Clairol TV commercial, and she told someone, and she told someone, and she told someone. And, um, and that's how some of my authors have come to me as well, because she told someone who told someone who told someone. So, I mean, it's just amazing. And even with this book that came out uh, yesterday uh, about the, the hurt healing, I've had many people lo- say that they love that subtitle of it because it's, it's so true is that we're always healing. You know, we never per se get totally healed, but it's an everyday process to heal. And um, I, I received a, a note from someone about the book that had gone out this time, and it is, I don't have permission yet to say exactly or who it was, but it was a couple of items um, in a book, in the book yesterday, from a couple of different authors. It wasn't just one author, but it was something that they said that a new awareness came on, the light bulb kicked on, and they are ready and feeling better about where they are in their life so they can take the next step forward. And that is something that I have heard in every, from every volume that we published and that we started back in 2017. So three years ago, this has all only been going on. So well, it really it does process. make a difference. It, it, it's a, it does make a difference. And, and do you, can you see it from an outsider when you're seeing your authors at the beginning? It's almost like a little child, and, and over the period of time, they're growing into a teenager and into a young adult and an adult. Can you see that progression and confidence growing in them as they get their story out? I can. I know it's there, but they don't. And the beauty of the process that they go through is that once they get done writing their chapter, they see that. They witness that for themselves. They see that growth. And so it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful process of watching, watching that child grow. And many have come back and written their full entire books with me. Perfect. Perfect. To and tell you do even see, more of their story. 
I found with writing when I wrote my book was that once it's out on paper, then it's somewhat separated from your emotions and from you. And now it's just become a story. It's still your story, but it doesn't consume mm-hmm. your life. It doesn't, it doesn't take over your life, especially something that was hurtful. Because that can keep you down, and I don't like being a victim or being called a victim, but many people are in that victim stage where they feel like things happen to them and not for them. Mm -hmm. And when it's happening to you, then it's like, woe is me. And I think by writing the story, you, you can see it from a different level, a different perspective, saying, well, that was an interesting thing that happened. So now let me move on. And that's what I love what you do is you help them to move on because now they're in a position to help somebody else that may be where they were prior to writing their story. And that's very liberating. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is such a a deepening and rewarding experience for everyone involved. For me as the publisher and editor, for the author, and then for the person who reads the story. And they not, may not know these people, you know, but they'll buy the book because they do know someone in it or it's, it's speaking to them for whatever reason. But people are, it's helping so many. And mm-hmm. who knew? I had no idea when I started this, the very first volume three years ago, how it was going to go. But somebody said, are you going to be doing another one? You know, I'd kind of like to be in your next book if you do that. And that's the way it's been too. And that's how each volume has happened. When somebody makes the commitment saying, I want in on the next one, then that's how the next book gets developed. So I can't say if there's going to be a volume seven or not. I can say that there might be. It could look a little bit different. It could be something titled Other Than Courage Under Siege. I don't know. But it is a very, as the author of the chapter tells their story, it becomes a very cathartic and healing process for them. Mm-hmm. because they are not writing the story for them any longer. They are writing it to heal and help somebody else. So if someone and is, Wallace... Go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was just saying, if someone is out there and listening to this, how, and they feel that that's the next step for them, how do they contact you as far as you know, working with you or just having a conversation with you? Because that's the first thing to do is have a conversation and kind of flesh it out. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I think the easiest way would be just send me an email at Peggy Lee at PeggyLeeHanson.com. Okay. And then I saw that we have a free gift for them too, free chapter writing guide. We do have a free chapter writing guide, absolutely. And that will walk you through the process that I take my authors through um, to help you formulate the chapter. And to get an idea of like how many words to have in a chapter, you know, what points do you put in the chapter, how do you start, you know, kind of, you know, sort of generalization of how to do all that. So, and that you can get at uh, bit.ly, which is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash free chapter writing guide, all one word, all lowercase. Perfect, and that was actually on our registration page, and I'm sure if they email you, you can perhaps send that to them also. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it really, it really is important to be able to get your story out, and, and it's fun to watch how people get brave when one of their friends writes their story because then they're like, well, if she can do it, then I can do it. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just need a kick in the pants by an author or a publisher and you know a guide um, to get it done because there's nothing – I found really it's so incredible just to get the story out there and see how it touches someone else's life. Now, Peg, we're going to bring in, we're going to open this up to Q&A because I know we have a couple of other authors on our call today. And I'd love to have them come on in and... um, and, and you know speak to us. So if you want to if you want to ask a question or come in, you just hit star six, and it puts you in a queue, and and uh, we'll get to you as you as you come in. Um, and I know that there are people out there. So you, I guess I can unmute them too. See this? I'm a, this is a learning learning curve here. I'm going to unmute our guests here. And if any of you'd like to come in and ask a question about publishing or give us a comment about if you've written your book, I know there are a couple of people out there. 
tell us how you felt and why you wrote it and where it is now, if it's gone anywhere. Because sometimes writing a book is really just a calling card. It gives you credibility. It gives you fun. Say, here's my book. Um, but let's, let's see if anybody wants to come in and, and speak to us. And until then, are there anybody out there? I know Peg's out there. Um, <laughs> I, I, you and I are working together right now on an Audible book, yes. which has been a fun experience something that people are moving into listening to books versus just reading them. Have you, do, you, how, do you enjoy Audible books? Absolutely. Um, Audible books is a great, another great resource or modality for getting books out there. And because people have been, well, you know, up until this point, people have been spending a lot of time in their cars, you know, going to work, you know, traveling and things. But even working around the house or being around the house, people still listen to things. They listen to the TV, they listen to the radio. And people are also listening to books, you know, to help pass the time with whatever they are doing. And so it's a if you have a book out there, I would highly recommend, you know, looking into uh, doing an audible book. You know, and please reach out to me and we can talk about that, you know, so for something further in developing. I did not publish Debbie's written book, her paperback, but we are working together now, as she said, on the audible book. And uh, it's amazing. And also with the... Uh, Hampton. Huh? It's okay. I think someone came on. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, with, with this volume of Courage Under Sage, Volume 6, this is going to be the first audio book in this series. Oh, so, perfect. And I'm having all my authors read their own chapter. It's a really I, different experience reading it out loud, I found. And, uh, you know, you want to be perfect. Again, here's this, you know, woman behind the smile. I want it to be perfect and say it perfectly. And it was funny when we were first doing it, I'm thinking, okay, Deb, you can't make a mistake. You can't, you know, breathe in the wrong place. And then I realized, well, heck, she's going to edit this. I'm going to edit. If I goof up, she's got it. She can just go back and edit that goof out. And it, it turned out to be a really interesting experience listening to the story being told out loud, I, I almost relived it again. I mean, I did relive it again, um, but in a different way because now I'm looking at it. Just I'm looking at the words and I'm trying to put in the the emotion and the inflection of my voice. And it was really a great experience to do it. And uh, I think you enjoyed listening to it too afterwards. I did. I did. And then, you know, and especially the goof stuff. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I gotta start over again. You know, so <laughs> well, I, mean, I would be talking good. to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I mean, again, it is, if, there, it's fun. if there's anybody out there with that would like to ask a question, go ahead and uh, hit star six. It'll put you into our Q and A, and uh, then we'll unmute you because I've seen we have a few more people that have come in. But um, okay. being an author is an, ex an exceptional experience. I, I, I I'm gonna unmute my father. I, I hope he's listening. Uh, years ago. Um, my dad and I did a lot of genealogy work together. And I kept saying, Dad, write your story, write your story. He's the funniest guy, and he's, he's my hero. He's, he's 90 years old right now. He's Dr. Jack, works for me and my company. And uh, Dad, I said, write a book because I want to hear you know, your life. And he didn't do it specifically towards the family. He wrote it through the, the eyes of having golden retriever dogs. And so his book is called My 50 Golden Years. He'd been married 50 years, but it was so fun to read about his life through the, the years of having golden retriever puppies. And the puppies would grow up, and then the puppies would be adults, and the puppies would die. And I know it was a very – I remember when they were editing the book, he and Mom were editing the book, and every time a puppy died, they relived that, which is a tough thing to do. But then the next one would come along, and then it was just so much fun. So, Dr. Jack, are you on the call? Yes, I am. I just was a little concerned. I, I got a FedEx uh, envelope just now that's from Nigeria. I wondered what to do with it. <laughs> tear it up, Dad. Tear it up. 
So, Pop, I have a quick question for you, and then you can talk to Peggy about this too. When you started writing your book, yeah. this was years ago. We may not have had the technology we have today. Give us the process that you started when you wrote your book. Well, the you first thing I then? did, first thing I did was just start to uh, at night when I go to bed, I start to think about one of the dogs, and then I would put, take notes. I had a notepad next to the bed. I even turn the light on sometimes and start to write some stuff in case I couldn't remember it the next day. And then I would I would just jog those things down, and then the next day I would uh, write the whole thing out longhand on a sheet of paper. And at that time, the, the Dragon Dictate software started to come out where you could talk into the a microphone and it would type it up on Word for you. And that was that was kind of fun because I can't type at all. And uh, each night when I go to bed, I think about a different dog and so forth and what happened. And I have a remarkable memory for long-term things. Things that happened years and years and years. Fifty years ago, I can remember exact specifics that uh, you wouldn't wouldn't believe you, but I could remember. That is, that is a true statement. And I like the fact, Dad, that you said that you have a notepad beside your bed. Peg, have you ever, do you have anything beside your bed? Because I know when I have a thought in the middle of the night, if I don't write it down by tomorrow morning, it's gone. I know. It, it does. I used to have a pad next to my bed. I used to have my phone next to my bed. I don't have the phone next to my bed any longer. Um, but oftentimes I get up in the middle of the night and where I have to get up and, and write it down. And because if I don't, I will forget about it. Or, and then it, sometimes the, 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 the thoughts just keep coming and I'm up for two hours writing. So, yes, most definitely have, have that. I even would take notes and things, uh, notepad with me when I went to watching movies, you know, go to the theater, because there would always be something inside that movie that would click with me and I was just like, ooh, is that a good thought? You know, so then I would make a note for that. So always pen and paper or something. And now, you know, I carry my phone with me all the time, you know, when I'm out and about and I just open up a, a notepad document and start writing in that for all those ideas. Say that, cause I ha- I, that happened to me yesterday. I was watching a show and I was like, oh, wow, I really like what she just said. So I stopped it. <laughs> And I ran to my desk and I wrote it down and I came back and she said something else and I stopped it and I ran, I'm like, Dad, put a piece of paper right beside you and sit yeah. here and listen. Um, because so much, it was about writing your stories and believing your story has value. And I'm like, oh, that's something that we have to talk about tomorrow. So Dr. Jack, one quick thing though, after you wrote your book, yeah. how did you feel about getting it out in writing? How did I feel about getting it out? Yeah, how did it make you feel getting all that written down? And I mean, excited, confident, you wanted to share it. You know, where do you go from here? Yeah, Are you well, glad you wrote it? Uh, yeah, right. I didn't. I didn't know what to do with it at first, and uh, I called up a publishing company <clears throat> in Philadelphia, but they 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 wanted so much money for all this kind of stuff. But uh, I eventually did go into a small package where I bought. 400 books or something. Then I had to go find 400 patients that I could sell it to. <laughs> and he's still giving them away. So it has changed. Since Dad wrote his first book, it has changed, Peg, because you, uh, the stories that you, uh, the book you put out yesterday is on Amazon? Yes. And so you're not actually collecting. That's why I think a lot of people worry that oh, I've got to have 500 books in my closet. That's not the process anymore, right? That is not the process. No, you don't need to do that anymore. Uh, for especially if you self-publish, um, you know you're not required to buy 500 copies and wait to give them away for everybody. That's the beauty of of self-publishing. Um, but then there are self-publishers, you know, like your dad, Dr. Jack, you know, who will print them off, you know, to be handed out because you know they just want to give something away, you know, to make people in, enjoy reading or make them smile, make them feel good about themselves too. Uh, one woman that I know, she self-publishes her, her own work 
and she prints up the books and even though they're on sale through Amazon and stuff, she goes sets up her uh, car at a Walmart parking lot in her neighborhood and lets everybody know, you know, I'm going to be at Walmart on Saturday morning with my latest book. And she comes from an old family uh, in the city that she lives in down uh, mid-Atlantic states. And so people are just clamoring, you know, for her next book because it's all historic things that they like to read about. And um, so she sells her books out of the car, out of the back of her car, there you, you know. And, and so it, it, you can publish any which way you want to these days. It does not have to be traditionally. It's whatever, it's whatever you dream of. It's however you want to get your word out. It, can, it doesn't have to be a great, big, huge production. It can be simple and easy. And one thing I want to mention, too, about you know, the way Dr. Jack wrote his stories is that that's a perfect way when you don't know how to tell your story, especially if it can be controversial, mm-hmm. um, is to write it through the eyes of someone else. Or, you know, tell it in somebody else's voice or make it, turn it into a fiction novel, but, you know, tell your story. There's all different sorts of ways how to get your story out. It doesn't have to be your voice. Well, that's you know? important too, especially that someone that has been hurt in a way yes. that it, it, um, it involves other people and maybe people in your family and you don't want to necessarily out them, but the story is so important that that needs to be included, but you need to protect some of the people. I mean, some people are going to out you anyway because they're mad at you, but yeah. that may not be the most effective way to do it, right? Right. Sometimes it's let's protect them, but let's get the story out because the story is greater than the, other, the personalities, and you're going to help so many people by getting that story out. Yeah. Um, and that's like my book, the, you know, it's called The Woman Behind the Smile. I didn't write it to make a million dollars, although it should be nice to recapture that million that I lost. <laughs> but I give so many books away because I want the women in the situation that I was in with romance, you know, relationship scam, I want them to realize that their story is my story and the guy that scammed me and I've got a picture of him, that's their scammer and they're not alone. And so that's the, that starts them on the road to, to healing, um, not financially necessarily, but emotionally healing, realize, realizing that those guys are really good at what they do, and that's their job, and I was just taken. And again, anybody can be taken at any time in their life mm-hmm. vis-a-vis, hello, you know, we're still waiting for Prince Charming. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad Prince Charming really came into your life because Prince Charming really came into my life too in getting remarried again. Um, but it's important that from our hurt position that we can heal and then that we can help others heal going forward. That's the value of our stories. And Absolutely. I really honor you for what you do and, and you, you've got a great business going and you know you've gone from the desperate years to being Mm -hmm. there and being a valuable asset and coach and everything else to to the women that you've worked with and some of the good men Um, yeah you know and and the one thing last thing that I want to say is that you are if you are thinking about telling your story if you're thinking about telling your worst story just remember and, you, and as you're questioning, just remember that someone is waiting to hear what you have to say. Well, we do have someone that does want to say something to us from, looks like, Norfolk, Nebraska. Are you on the line? Yes, this is Carol, but my number's Nebraska, but I'm actually from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here because we can certainly hear you now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carol, you're one, of, you're one of Peggy's authors. Yes, I'm one of Peggy's authors, and I'd like to say that she has made the process of writing my story so simple that um, if you're thinking of writing your story, she would be the one I would recommend to go to because I didn't—I had no idea. I had worked with Peggy years back on when she was doing her dream thing. I went through her her dream course with her. 
and lost contact. And then she sent me an email that said, I want to touch base with you. What are you up to now? And I had let a lot of things go and um, just circumstances in life that just happened. And I was at a point where I was ready. And she came at the right time, and I was ready to say, okay, let's do this. And she made it very simple. And the other four women that were with us on this journey, um, we connected so well. Um, The universe puts us together for a reason, I really believe. And we we just clicked and made this book, our stories, just um just go out there and do what they need to do to help other people and i really would recommend peggy for doing this because she's simple to um to deal with she's honest and trustworthy and um she listens to our heart so that there's no um she takes time with us she doesn't just brush us aside and make it, well, I need to get this book done. You've got, you know, so much time and, and I can't, you know, I can't take the time. I've got other things. She sits right down and she will have a call with you and explain things to you. And um, I know I've made her uh, kind of go crazy. I'm not a technical person <laughs> and I have a lot of technical questions to ask, <laughs> but but yeah, it was an experience that I really, I I enjoyed writing my story. I didn't, it, she makes it so, so enjoyable to write it, even though it may be a very bad thing that you went through back whenever, but she just, she just brings it out of you. Well, writing is very therapeutic. You know, I, I found that thank to be you, true. Carol. You're so welcome. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. And congratulations on the number one best-selling book. That's that's terrific thing. And, and uh, you guys can put the little patch on your book now. Um, yes, but thank you. Peggy, you guys have done that on, on most yeah. of your books. And, and that's yeah. the process that you know how to do also. There is that process, which is brings great value to authors. And, uh, again, gives you that expert um, badge, so to speak, um, but it's it's not about that either. It's about getting it out no. and writing it and just having that experience of opening up your heart and opening up just who you are and putting it out there. Because if anything, yeah. it's great. It's a great message for your family because I know my kids didn't know as much about me as they would know if they would read all of my writings. You know. Yeah. And you know. And these books go international. They just don't stay here in the United States. We've right. gone to Mexico, Australia, India, Canada, you know, it's, it's Italy, all, it's worldwide. So, you know, your message gets out to the world because no matter where people are, we're all the same, you know, and um, some... And I love totally how you said believe. that at the beginning. We get to know people better by hearing their stories, by yeah. sitting because... You know, looking at that person sitting beside me, they might look differently than me. They might sound different than I am and all that stuff. And and we're so um, careful about, I mean, we think about this when we we raise our children when they're little. It's like stranger danger, stranger danger, you know, and you don't let them talk to anybody, and which is a good thing. They need to kind of learn the boundaries. But later on, if we're all still feeling that stranger danger, then, you know, you and I could be sitting right beside each other and not talk to each other. I mean, how many times you get in an elevator and put your head down? You know, or you're sitting in an airplane and you kind of look out the window rather than at the person sitting two seats over from you. Um, but you don't know who they are. And if you would just start the conversation, you, you, I found some incredible people in this world because I was willing to smile and say hi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then I found out that we're more alike than different because of what we've been through in our lifetime. That's the value Absolutely. of writing your story. The value. Yeah. And you're finding that out. You know, with the, the woman behind the smile and being part of the CARES program. And, you know, people are, women are contacting you every single day. It's been amazing. And last night I was on a call with Dr. Tim McGinnis, the founder of SCARS, and I'm on the board of, of advisors right now. And he said, Deb, we need to find a board of directors. Who do we know? And I started thinking about when I was in, uh, in India, 
I met an incredible woman from Delhi, and I met another woman when I was in Dallas, and she was from Uganda. I'm thinking, this is international. These are women that are just like me, you know, and let's bring them in because this, what we're working on, the things that we're doing are international in scope because we're all brothers and sisters in the end, and we mm-hmm. all have things that we need to, to you know, get together and, and not be so so distant. So, Peggy, thank you so, so much for being my guest today and, and telling us about your real Prince Charming versus the fake Prince Charming. <laughs> um, I thank you so much for your passion and purpose in writing and in working with me to get my book out, but with working with Carol and the other authors that you've had, uh, I, I thank you for, for them. Um, and for our listeners today, thanks. Go out there and start to write your story. You know, get it out, get it out, and you'll feel so empowered from the inside out. Um, I'd like to say that this episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com. It's actually my company. It's a vitamin supplement that supports happy and healthy hands and feet. We want to thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up today. If you or anyone you know has been a victim to fraud or relationship scam, have them report it to anyscam.com or the ic3.com and remember to join our Facebook group Stand Up and Speak Up because we have special information and we have replays of this of this event. I want to thank everybody and wish you a happy day. Peg, we, we will stay on for a few minutes but I'm going to stop the recording right now but thank you so much again for being here. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate you and everyone who listened today and will be listening to the replay. Perfect. Have a great day, everybody.